What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nemanja Bialica. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Bulls Podcast. My name is Brandon Nunez. Got Rich Havanowski on here, as we always do. How's it going, Rich? How you doing, man? Um, deeply depressed. Uh, deeply depressed. I, I don't know. I was not, this was, none of this was getting to me earlier. But, uh, yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough to, everything's been a disaster for the Kings, and, I think it really hit home just realizing that uh, they're probably going to lose Harry Giles as well, and and just watching him play like there's not there's so little to watch these games for, to be honest with you. Like you can watch for Daquan Jeffries, um, see what he's got in his bag. You could try to watch for Justin James and Kyle Guy, but you but you wouldn't see them because they're not getting playing time. So ridiculous. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, it's a it's a it's a waking nightmare. I'd say. Yeah, uh, really is. I mean, it, kind of what you touched on briefly there. Like these games don't matter. Why are you not getting the rookies minutes? Like, there's you're sitting Fox because these games don't matter. How do you not look towards Justin James, Kyle Guy? Um, yeah, like you're saying, the Harry thing's obviously frustrating and been frustrating and going to be frustrating until the day where he finally does sign with a different team. And for me, like, looking at the Western Conference, like, I see a way that every other one of these teams at the bottom gets better, and I don't really see that for the Kings. Like, they legitimately could be the 15th best, worst team, the worst team in the Western Conference next year. I think they should be favorites to be the worst team in the yeah. Western Conference next year. Um, yeah, I mean, only teams below them at this point are the Warriors, who are obviously bouncing back, getting back multiple superstars uh, healthy, and the Timberwolves, who you know have two all-stars, two young all-stars, and two high draft picks this season. I mean, yeah, I don't. I mean, I yeah, I would. Uh, 
I, I would say the odds makers will put them at the bottom. Yeah, I think uh, reasonably. I mean, yeah, and the teams they're rubbing shoulders with, obviously, Memphis has a lot of promising young talent that's going to improve similarly to Phoenix um, and the Pelicans. And then San Antonio, I, I mean, you just trust the coaching of that team compared to uh, coaching that's working in Sacramento. Um, yeah, man, uh, you put out a piece recently uh, at the SAC B touching on how there isn't really an identity of this team. And I remember doing a piece on uh, the different teams in the Atlantic division going into this year, and the Suns were a team I wrote on as, okay, Sacramento has their identity, and now Phoenix is the team that just really needs to find that, and that's the stage that this team is at. And it's just ridiculous that one of the key parts of, you know, being a young team and growing is – having an identity year-round. And the fact that they had discovered that being the pace with Jaeger and then completely went away from it is just frustrating beyond belief. Yeah, and I didn't really include this in the piece because it's not, I, I mean, I don't know. It's neither here nor there. And I just don't, uh, there's nothing. there's nothing great to say about the Kings. But I think that, I think that it's reasonable to say that the identity of a high-paced team is not sustainable um, just because, you know, you you can't run guys, like, into the ground necessarily forever. Obviously, you want to you, – you can obviously be, like, a higher-paced team, and you should always be a higher-paced team with Fox. But I think it's reasonable to say that's not enough. Um, like long term, with all like you can't just just focus the team around that. It, it is a little bit gimmicky, and it's it's fine to have a gimmick for a few years as you work something else out. But unfortunately, what Walton's done is like he's removed that identity, and I think he, I you know obviously I'm speculating, but I think his intention was to change that identity, remove that identity, and bring some other identity in and he like removed that one but didn't replace it with anything in particular at all yeah I'd agree with you I don't think it's like long-term sustainable especially like playoff success if you're talking about pace but I mean yeah the Kings being a team that are just really fiending to make the playoffs uh in itself and yeah the fact that it was not replaced with any sort of uh identity that the team seemed to latch onto or anything like that. Um, obviously, really didn't go over well for Sacramento. And you kind of just briefly at the end mentioned a couple of potential routes that they could go with an identity. Did you have one that you kind of lean towards or anything? I mean, honestly, not really. Like, I, and and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm like offering excuses by saying that the fast pace isn't sustainable and and not offering a good alternative because you know there isn't an obvious one but there like I think what I was trying to get at just by going through some scenarios is just that whatever identity you choose it's going to sacrifice certain players on the roster like I don't think that this group as as a unit could really have an identity like the pieces are just so kind of strange and haphazard together 
you do have a log jam with Bogdanovich and Heald. Um, as much as I'd like them to play together or like one to accept a bench role, I really don't see it happening. Um, it, it's just those two players are going to be tough to, to – they're both going to want that spot, that starting two guard. And then, you know, Marvin Bagley isn't a great shooter and neither is Darren Fox. So, like, those two, I don't even know how great those two will work together, you know, in the long term. Maybe you, maybe they can fit together good if you just surround them with shooting. Um, just like everyone else on the team can shoot, basically. But then Rashawn Holmes is this breakout. So, like, now you're looking at, like, arguably, you know, three of your best players, three of your four or five best players are are very limited shooters. Um, that's problematic. Right, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you pointed out well, as you said there and in the piece, that, yeah, the roster construction they're working with, I mean, it's hard to pick an identity, and I probably would lean towards um, just surrounding Fox with some shooting and going full in on Fox being your guy, like, um, I think at this point it's very reasonable to question if you should consider Bagley and uh, your your long-term team building. And at this point, I mean, with the team, really, like we said, probably the favorite, favorites, understandably, to be the worst team in the West next year. I mean, my draft philosophy was definitely looking for a high-floor guy. And, you know, honestly, maybe just these eight games in the bubble, like, changed that a bit for me um where I'd be looking for an upside guy like I don't know if a high floor Sadiq Bay sort of thing is ever going to really raise where this team is going to be able to go in regards to making the playoffs like maybe you do prefer a Patrick Williams and then like just trying to think of the path of this team improving that you know it would just have to be in the lottery the year after like the only way you're getting additional talent on this roster high level talent is through trades or the draft um and yeah i mean the easiest one being like luckily sacramento does have their future draft picks and the draft not this upcoming one but the year after is regarded as a pretty good one from my understanding so like that's the way of improvement i guess but that's another year out for this king's team that hasn't made the playoffs in 14 years Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, they're not one role player away. They're not a Sadiq Bay away from being a playoff team, I think. Um, it would be nice to just get a win in the draft. So, like, as far as a Sadiq Bay type, that's, you know, I mean, just to get a, a win out of the draft, uh, like a, a real rotation player, 
maybe that does feel like a win, but their cap space is shot. Um, yeah, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is playing about as well as he, as he can like reasonably be asked to play. Uh, maybe he has more, you know, another jump in him, another step forward. Maybe the three ball comes around. Maybe his usage just keeps ramping up to the point where, um, like we've seen him, whatever it is, 25, 26, 27 points a game or whatever in the bubble, you know, maybe he can do something close to that for an entire season. Um, you know, they've maybe got some trade pieces. This is secondhand, but I, I think, I forget who was saying this, but they said they heard on the Carmichael Dave show that Sam Amick came on there and they both agreed that Buddy's time is probably up. So maybe they can do something with him as a trade piece, but his his value is obviously in the tank. Like, I mean, and just think about it. They didn't have to pay him. We supported him getting a new contract. But, I mean, just think if they if they hadn't had done that, he'd be a restricted free agent right now. They probably would have saved a lot of money, a lot of money. Um especially with the situation right now with, you know, loss of income from COVID and all that around the league. I mean, like, what, what contract offers are you getting? Maybe, like, more like $15 million, um, maybe lower? I don't know. Yeah, and, yeah, and at the contract at the time, I actually was pretty happy with, but then when you roll him out there in a uh, position you're asking of him that obviously is unideal for him and just makes him look even worse and, uh, less valued to the Sacramento organization, let alone any other teams that might be interested. That just worsens any particular value that you would get there. And um, kind of like back to who you're bringing in the draft, whatever free agency, I think it kind of goes back to that identity. Like you need to set what you're looking for in your team as a whole so that way you can bring in the right guys to fill um, those roles in order to fulfill what you're looking for. But you have to know what that is. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I I mean they do need another star, and if Marvin Bagley isn't gonna be that, yeah, I mean I don't I don't see that pick even pick eleven if the Spurs or Suns you know make the jump above them. I just don't. Uh, I mean unless they're moving up in the lottery, and then and then to be frank, this this ref really is not good even in the top four. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think about, like, a tank year? Um, obviously, it wouldn't be intentional. And obviously, this this team, like, this franchise is opposed to that. Like, they they really haven't done that. Like, even late in years, that's not the way that the Kings operate. They Maybe it's the, you know, the fact that so many coaches have been fired that it's just, des- you know, Kings, uh, Kings coaches are desperate to win any game, even ones that don't matter. Like in this bubble, I think it is meaningful for for the not only the coach but for executives to be able to to look at the bubble and point to it and be like, hey, we went three and five. Um, you know what I mean? Even though it was yeah. horrifically embarrassing, and maybe they win two games against you know skeleton crews, um, you know three four stars sitting out or whatever against the Pelicans or Lakers, just being able to point to that number. It, it, it's like it, it weirdly probably does mean a lot to them. Um, and it's just, I don't know that I could see them doing it for a whole year. And 
I don't know, would you even support that? Like, you know, would you support them trying to finish? And not try, I, I don't know how you'd put it, but would you support them going, like, all development, like, you know, playing younger guys, trying to shed maybe Corey Joseph, um, really trying to just give tons of minutes to, to the youngest guys on the team and, and ending up with a top three pick in a really stacked 2021 draft? I, I mean, I think that, Long term, like that's your way of really becoming a, a competent roster. Like you need another guy on the level of Fox. I mean, you really would need a guy above the level of Fox if you're trying to, you know, get out of the first round, second round of the playoffs at some point in your future. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much as it sucks, like you're saying, the way to be doing it would probably be, you know, Joseph and Bielisa out the door and yeah, more of your minutes going to a Daquan Jeffries or a uh, Justin James uh, if those minutes are deserved. And yeah, I I mean, I think that like we've said, they're kind of going to be one of these bottom teams in the West anyways. And being in that eight spot compared to top five fighting for top three could come down to, you know, three more games like the ninth seed in the Eastern conference has 23 wins. Sacramento still has 30 this year, um, and they are the 13th team in the West. So, like, you kind of do need to lose a good handful more if you're talking about getting a really high-level draft player and, like you're saying, a draft that is being regarded as as pretty stacked, especially at the top there. I think that that's probably the best method for Sacramento considering – you know, even if they roll out their best roster, they're probably not going to win most games. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, this draft class is bad. This free agent class is, like, historically bad. I have no idea how they're going to significantly improve. And and I also don't know, like, what free agency is even going to look like right now. I mean, it, uh, just in terms of in terms of the coronavirus and everything, I was just thinking about this, like, and this might be a slight hope, a, a glimmer of hope that maybe like a Harry Giles would stay, would want to stay in Sacramento. Is like, is it that desirable? Unless you're getting like way more money, is it that desirable to like move your entire life to like a new city right now? I don't even know if like I, I feel like it's going to take more to convince guys to leave like it might be an advantage to keep Bazemore around it's like you know I mean he's got a family he's got kids he's got a wife I I actually don't know if they are all living together in Sacramento or what but or around that area but I don't know it just seems like a bad time to like try to bring guys in yeah and you know like obviously I'd be very happy if Giles stuck around especially after the Kings making that mistake but even keeping Giles around, like, isn't changing the projection of this team. Like, what at best, he's a starting, like, a fringe starter, like a fifth-best fifth, fifth best starter sort of thing. Right. Well, I, I'm not – the reason to keep Harry Giles was never that he's going to be, like, you know, the 1A or 1B to, to Fox. It's – I mean, there's something to be said, and I'm actually going to write about this for the B tomorrow – but there's something to be said for, like, making a smart business decision to, like, buy goodwill from your fan base. There's just no question that Harry Giles is a fan favorite. And 
with how little that would have cost them, like they're gonna make that two million dollars back in uh like merchandise, ticket sales, what have you, you know, when tickets can be sold again. Um and just general goodwill to the team, like I, I feel like that's just another log on the fire of people that really don't trust this front office. There are a lot of people out there that don't trust this front office to make smart decisions and it's like I mean, especially when you consider what a roster spot costs, like at minimum, I mean, you're talking like a million dollars to to keep a guy around that, like, you know, crowds love him. Uh, he, you know, I, I, I think like from my perception, and maybe my perception is warped because he's a personal favorite of mine, uh, but like he really does seem to have captured like the fan base maybe more than anyone outside of like Fox. Like I feel like people are are like hooting and hollering for him, and like they want to they want his jersey more than like even a Bagley, honestly. Support for the Kings Pulse podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we all have a time where we have hurt ourselves or at least been terrified to hurt ourselves. I know I do. Trimming below the waist. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This is a premium tool with a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes, works in the shower so you can take care of your business in there if you prefer that. Also has an extremely cool LED light attached to it that illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that chunk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE. No space. KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code KINGSPULSE with no space. Yeah, the games are definitely tough to watch, like we saw tonight, like we're going to see in a couple nights against the Lakers. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, developing young talent is a spot that I think the fan base can latch on to. And like you're saying, Harry specifically, I think that while uh, he doesn't change the future projection of the team that much, like I-, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's a mistake that they clearly should not have made. And, yeah, even just the fact of keeping the fan base somewhat happy a thing that they've been so unsuccessful in doing so, even though the Sacramento fan base has been uh, so amazing and loyal to the team. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously something that you totally should have pulled the trigger on. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's no reason that Harry, Ro- Harry Giles shouldn't be on the roster next season. But um, with- I, I mean, they picked up, like, like uh, Scala Vissier and uh, yeah. uh, and Caleb against options last season. like, And then traded wow. them. You know, really for nothing. Like, I, I mean, like, why would you not try that? I, it just seems – don't think of anyone's option. I, I don't – it's very confusing to me. Yeah, I, I think 
Yeah, what I had heard was something along the lines of, like, trying to motivate him, not happy with how he came into camp or something. But, like, yeah, I mean, you're just – there's such a cost to that that he's just going to walk for – like, it doesn't – it doesn't make sense. Like you're saying, the options they picked up previously, this this just makes no sense in doing. Um, and we can't buy every line that the, that the team gives us either. Like, that, that I mean, that, and that's, that's the truth for every single team in the league and every single sport. You know, I mean, you're trying to put a face forward and, and and give a certain pitch about why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and that's another thing that's been tough in the bubble. I, I feel like a lot of the things that Luke Walton has said in the bubble have been not perceived well. Um, the whole, like, you know, just got to, like, enjoy this experience thing and, like, it's a good learning lesson and stuff. Like, that's not going to cut it with Kings fans. It's... It, you need to win. You need to win basketball games, and I don't think that they. I don't think they want to hear a lot of the messaging that's coming out of of the Kings franchise, and I. I don't particularly blame them, and I also don't blame the Kings for like trying to to put these sorts of positive spins on things. But yeah, I mean, they have to know it's it's not it's not getting through ultimately. Yeah, we're just happy to be here. Was the one that really did it for me. I was like, are you, are you serious? Like, you're just, this is enough, you know? Like, you're not just going to try to end this 14-year playoff drought, which obviously, you know, they, they tried to do it out there. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's not the quotes. Like, I, I would have loved to just see someone from the organization upset with this result. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, coach, like a, if you're a coach and your team is really, really playing badly and getting – embarrassed on the court, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, this is unacceptable. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take accountability, and my players are going to take accountability. We know this isn't good enough. We we are going to fix this. Um, you know, we are not – we aren't cutting it. Um, it you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some fire and some passion and some – I mean, you can get angry. You can get angry if you if you really come out and just if you really come out and just look awful. Um, I personally, and this is just how I am. I'd rather you be upset about that than than say like you know whatever learning experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way about that. I want someone to show that they that they care in. Uh, in a way, you know, and I think that, yeah, I mean, the players shouldn't need to necessarily be, like, fired up for these eight games that matter a lot, but, you know, sometimes that's the case, and I think it's it's on the players somewhat, but then the coaching staff really needs to be the ones to take that into their own hands and, and be doing something about it, and I just haven't got the impression that that's happening. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Where else? Uh, where else do you kind of want to take this? I got nothing to say about the Kings. There's, they don't, um, yeah, I mean, frankly, like, there's, they don't deserve to have deep analysis of their, their game. Like, this is, they're, they're playing really, really bad. Um, you know, if someone, uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're paid to provide analysis, if you're, you know, working the NBC broadcast or the KHDK broadcast, you know, I, ex- of course, expect you to do that. You're probably going to want to do that. It's your job. But I think that where someone like you and someone like myself is at, we don't have to do that. 
we don't have to sit here and like break down what's going right and going wrong. There's enough going wrong that it's it's not worth talking about. It's this is a lost season. I mean, this is a lost restart of the season. Um, the season is over. I have no interest in like previewing this Los Angeles Lakers game. It doesn't mean anything at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I the only place that I can go with it is, is starting to talk about the off season and the draft lottery is in two weeks. The draft itself is in two months. That's where I'll be focusing my energy, to be sure. Yeah, probably just going to do the same with you here, man. I don't know, uh, like you're saying, no interest in covering this last game or anything and limited financial room this offseason. Uh, at this point, I'm rooting for uh, the Suns or Spurs to really be taking that eight spot and bettering Sacramento's draft odds. Um, right now, the Blazers are currently in the eighth seed with the Grizzlies, Suns, and Spurs all half a game behind them. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be an interesting next couple of days. Phoenix Suns, man, uh, got to say it sucks watching them just do so great for themselves, 7-0 and in this bubble, a team that we've completely written off uh, coming in, at least I did myself, thinking they really didn't have much of a shot here and just have gone crazy. Look at that inspired basketball, even when it doesn't look like you have much of a chance. team that probably wasn't just happy with being there. What's crazy? Yeah. And what's crazy is they could go 8-0 and and Memphis could go 1-7 and and they could still not make the playoff, uh, the play-in game. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, just, just that, like, that's, that's not a pure victory. That's not a, uh, moral victory. That's, that's a real victory. Eight wins or seven wins in a row in the bubble. That is a real victory. That shows real growth and it shows, um, a real preparedness for the task at hand that the Kings haven't been able to to do. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing to say the least. Uh, got anything else you want to throw in here, man, before we wrap it up? No, that's it. I mean, do you want to get back to draft profiles going forward? I mean, that's all – yeah, that's all I uh, – I mean, there, you know, hope, hope springs anew each offseason, I suppose. I don't know how hopeful you can get. Uh, I mean, there are – you know, there's technically possibilities that, you know, say OKC tears it down and trades their veterans and maybe Greg Popovich retires after, like, an amazing run and maybe he makes the playoffs and makes a crazy run. And It's still not the AC, though. And maybe he hangs it up. And then, yeah, maybe you get a little bit lucky. Maybe you move up in the lottery or whatever. And, and uh, I don't know. You know, the, I mean, like, it's it's really hard to squint and figure it out. But, and, you know, 1% is still, you know, maybe there's that chance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's really – we're really looking down the line. We're, we're really looking uh, at least two or three years down the line. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only – the clear method of improvement that I see is not even this draft, but the next one when uh, next season the Kings just – really probably being a top a bottom like eight team and uh sucks to say but i don't know because how many times have you restarted a a rebuild like it's just a never-ending rebuild for the kings uh but yeah you know everybody uh, uh we're gonna keep up 
some coverage here, probably switch to draft stuff. The guys at the Kings Herald are going to be constantly covering everything that's going on with this team throughout the offseason and this last game here in the bubble. Uh, definitely go subscribe to their Patreon to support some local Sacramento coverage. They're doing great work there. And subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed. You'll hear from us again here in the next couple of days. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.